1: Welcome back, roto Runners, to the Best Ball Hot Take Show presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm your host, Dean, uh, joined today by two of the best minds when it comes to playing best ball. How about that? Baton first, leading off the hardest working man here at roto Runners. if you like what we do. Uh, behind the scenes, he's got the hand, his hands pretty much in everything. Former XFL guru, potential XFL guru in the future, we shall see, thanks to The Rock. What's up, Javino? Oh, you know,
2: Dean, it's, it's it's getting there. We're almost there. <laughs> We're getting the training camp reports coming up on my alerts now. I'm getting, I'm finding out who looks good, who's got the chemistry, Dean. I'm finding it out right now on my Twitter alerts at this very moment.
1: Can, I'm going to say spoiler: uh, everybody's in the best shape of their life. Is that is that what we're getting at again? Uh, as far, or not necessarily. It's amazing.
2: It's amazing the rapport that's being built,
1: Dean. There, there's <laughs> rapport all over the place. Uh, we we have uh, done a bunch of these shows. What we're doing is we basically focus on four or five teams, depending on. Uh, if, you, if you don't see your team, go back into the archives. We also, we bring in other teams into the conversation as far as this guy versus that guy, but we're focusing mainly today on the Bears, the Saints, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis. Um, I'm also going to be, a uh, am going to give you some this guy or that guy, this guy or that guy, or even some three guys. You got to kind of rank those. We'll talk about that in the middle of the show. Also, we're going to bring in a uh, beer makers fan, Chris Prince. What's up, beer? How are uh, how are things in your world?
0: I'm good. So yeah, th- these training camp reports definitely uh, got some movement going on under the desk, but yeah. Uh AJ Dillon apparently is Saquon Barkley, so if if you didn't know, now you know. So that that that's that's the breaking news here. Well, there you go. That this is what this is the hot take show, and I guess that will qualify as a hot take, I suppose. We're bringing it, baby. No, <laughs> uh, no, I'm totally kidding here. I think AJ Dillon is garbage, but uh, by by the size of those quads, everybody's excited about him. I if if did I see, see that picture. picture.
2: If I have to hear one more thing about Antonio Gibson, I swear, like <laughs> it's just. I mean, you would think this – just get him in the hall, the way people are talking about what's going on in Washington.
1: Christian
0: McCaffrey part two, baby.
1: Do you like uh, the quads of Dylan or Eckler's just,
0: like, shirtless
1: pictures? Because those have been impressive as well.
0: All the above. You know, give give me all the quads, the shirtless (laughs) pics, the DK Metcalf looking like RoboCop last season. I mean, I'm here for all of it, Dean.
1: We said this is the Best Ball Hot Take Show presented by Underdog Fantasy. What is Underdog Fantasy? They specialize in best ball, set it and forget it, format the best part of football. I mean, you could say it's fab and stuff like that and weekly changes. That's not for me. That's for the birds. I will dabble in it with my friends, but whatever. But, but, you know, time is a commodity. And, uh, you know, I got bronchitis. I have no time for that. I don't have time to make these weekly changes. I want to set it and forget it, Rob Appeal style. Uh, Go to underdogfantasy.com. Now you can have uh, leagues, depending on your buy-in, whatever you're comfortable with, between $3 and $100, including... The Best Ball Mania Tournament: Twenty-five Smackers. You can turn twenty-five dollars into two hundred k. If you think that uh, one million is a total prize pool, if you don't want to buy in for twenty-five, one fifth of that, buy in for five dollars. There's a hundred thousand dollar prize pool, and there's twenty thousand dollars at the top. UnderdogFantasy.com. Uh, you can get it on the computer, on the laptop. That's where I do it. I'm not really an app guy, but they do have apps. If you want to, do that, you, you can play. You can draft on the go. While you're waiting in line, who knows what you're up to. You can do some drafting. I'm sure you guys have drafted in some weird spots. Uh, get it there as far as iOS and Android, underdogfantasy.com. All right, first team on the docket, the Bears. Uh, Jamino, open up the Bears for us. Are we enthused about
0: Chicago. Is Jamina with us? I, I guess that's a no. Uh, <laughs> s- s- silence speaks, <laughs> vo- silence speaks volumes here. I'm sorry, uh, there you
2: cut, you cut out on me for a second there. Look, let's start off with the Bears and talk about the quarterback situation because I think that that's a big thing hanging over the head of this team right now is who is going to play starting quarterback for the team. Right now, there's not being a lot positive said about Mitchell Trubisky. We've seen over the last couple of years him struggle to gain command of the room, to really gain – the love and adoration of the coaching staff, the fans, and basically anyone who's watching these games. They, You know, you watch Patrick Mahomes and the guys that got drafted after him in the draft, and, and people are just love to shoot these comparisons out, and rightfully so. I just don't think that they believe that Trubisky is going to be the guy there for the future, one of the reasons why they brought someone like Nick Foles in to make sure that they had another option for the season. I do believe that it will be Foles that will end up uh, getting the reins, knows the playbook. Over there, And quite frankly, has proven that he can lead the team to the promised land uh, by winning the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Albeit, any time he seems to leave Philadelphia, he stinks. But maybe this will be the exception to the rule. Maybe we'll see Nick Foles actually produce in some place that is not green and in the city of brotherly love. So I'm looking at Foles as the potential starter here. And I would expect that if you're trying to take a stab in best balls and who will be the starter, it would be Foles at this present time.
1: Bira, you have a thought on that? I mean, I, ideally, you probably want neither. But I guess as a last a last pick flyer, you're sort of picking one. You know, you have no quarterbacks left. Uh, Foles or Trubisky, and depending on who it is, how does that affect the rest of the team?
0: It's Foles, but I don't really want either of them because I could see a scenario where Foles doesn't play well. They go back to Trubisky, uh, vice versa. Maybe Trubisky surprises us, and he's the starter. So if you draft the wrong guy, you're held holding the bucket there, and you don't have that quarterback spot filled. So... I don't think either give you a a massive upside where I feel like I'm, I'm missing out. If I don't take Nick Foles, I'm not leaving a draft saying, damn, I didn't get Nick Foles. Uh, You're you're never Mm going to hear me or probably anybody, but Nick Foles mom say that. So I, I just don't, don't see the need to go here. If you're building a stack, sure. You know, the target distribution going to be very, very limited here in this offense. So it's appealing in that sense. But other than that, I really don't care about either of these guys.
1: Does that affect uh, Alan Robinson any degree, free, or it's basically like neither one's particularly great?
0: I love him regardless. Uh, I don't think it really matters. Foles is probably the upgrade just because he's going to be more accurate and, and, and the better pocket passer. So in that sense, he gets a he gets a uh, an upgrade with Foles in there. But uh, he's done well without Foles. He's done well his entire career without a quarterback. So if he does get you know serviceable level quarterback play, which we think Foles can offer. I think the sky's the limit for Allen Robinson. I'm, I'm higher on him than maybe anybody this season. Wow. Uh, so I'm seeing uh, what I'm looking at as far as ADP, like early fourth, is that about right for you? I, I'll, i I'll take him well before that. I have him inside my top 10 receiver. So, you know, when, once you hammer away at those first couple rounds of running backs, I think round three is a, a perfectly suitable spot for Allen Robinson. If he happens to fall to round four, that that's like a, a gift just waiting that that you need to to gobble up and the people you're drafting with uh, clearly don't know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, Jamino, I'm seeing around, uh, what, 33 overall, give or take. Is that about right for you or are you with beer as well and you want to pounce on him earlier than that?
2: I mean, I'll definitely take him on the two, three turn if I'm taking a wide receiver there at the beginning of round. Number three, I'm certainly willing to do so. He's one of my favorites as well, and I think it has to do with the shape of that outcome curve. You know that there's probably not going to be a lot of seasons that you'll draft from Robinson, in which he just completely plummets and fails. I mean, he's going to get the majority of workload in this offense, and at the same time, you could see a potential ceiling here where he could be one of the you know four or five best receivers in fantasy football. So, I am interested in Allen Robinson uh, early on in, in these drafts, and I'm trying to take him because I do think the ownership will be a little bit lower. You know, I, I mean, it gets maybe a little bit different roster construction if, you, construction if you take him a little bit before other people. You're not going to make that's not going to make a big difference. I don't know why I, I mentioned that. I think it's more about the floor ceiling combination for me why I like Robinson.
1: Let me ask you this uh, strategy question, Beer. Uh, People love the stack, and there's 100 reasons why you're supposed to stack when when making best ball ball lineups. Is is it possible that he's falling a little bit, Robinson, because people are afraid, like, who do I pair him with? Who do I stack him with? I don't want to be stuck with the quarterback. And, sure, you can have him on a card, but is that possibly a reason why people are, are
0: staying away, or I'm just throwing it out there? I just think he's undervalued. I, I think looking at this team all in all, it's unsexy. The quarterback position is in flux. Or it doesn't stand out as some of the other receivers in that range who who have maybe a bigger name, a higher profile. They're younger. You know, There's a lot of reasons that he kind of goes overlooked, but he's always perpetually underrated. Each and every season, this year is no different. Uh, coming off the massive year, a ton of targets. I just don't see that changing, but your question is valid. I mean, it's the same thing I talked about with the quarterback position. If people aren't sure who it's going to be, do I want to sink a pick into Nick Foles or Trubisky, not knowing they'll be the guy for 16 weeks? It could certainly be a part of it. We know people are getting more and more into the stacking, and that's all people are hearing about with best ball. So, you know, a year or two years ago when drafts started, people weren't as hip to the idea, but now you got a lot of DFS players, a lot of season-long guys even stacking on their season-long teams, it's something that everybody's looking to do and, and, and should do, especially in these big contests.
1: Hey, I'm tuning into this show. I'm not exactly 100% sure what best ball is. Explain the concept of, of stacking and why it's advantageous.
0: So, stacking is basically grabbing multiple pieces of an offense. And you see it if you play DFS, you should be doing it in baseball. Uh, I know you guys love some hockey. You guys were talking hockey pre show. So, (laughs) you want to stack you some lines in hockey? Uh, Even NBA, it's viable in some of these game stacks. But uh, in football, these guys correlate so well together, especially a quarterback and his pass catchers. I mean, think about it. Guy throws a touchdown pass, Foles, Talon, Robinson, boom, I'm getting double the points there on both of those guys. So, Uh, It's something that you definitely want to take advantage of. Uh, I like to do it more with better offenses than the bears, but uh, sometimes you can stack these teams a lot cheaper and it doesn't just always have to be quarterback receiver. It can be tight end. It could be a running back like Tariq Cohen, who I think would fit uh, in any kind of Bears stack as well in a PPR format, but just grabbing two, three, sometimes four pieces. If the offense uh, is good enough and really hoping to stack up some big 25, 30, 35 point games, from these teams, especially towards the end of the season.
1: All right, I'm going to throw some wide receivers your, your guys' way. Uh, stop me when you will take that person over Robinson. uh Phelan,
0: Beckham, DJ Moore, Juju Smith Schuster. I'll take Juju over him. Jimino? Nope,
2: I got Robinson ahead of him
0: fight this is where we fight guys well come on Dean. You, you talk, you're talking
2: if you're really fighting about like robinson Godwin <laughs> Smith schuster you know Beckham i mean those guys are all going to be like pick your poison if you're making a lot of teams you get a, you get a little piece of some of them i happen to have probably going to be you know the most robinson of those guys but i do think you know like the difference in the grand scheme isn't going to be that big so having a big fight about it is, is a waste of time Fair enough. But it's fun to watch. He squashed your
0: fight. I mean, (laughs) I'm with him. I mean, there's kind of a giant group of of receivers. To me, after the big three, and I'm going to include Julio Jones, I have him number three with Adams and Thomas. Then there's just a a giant group of guys from from Godwin and Evans and and Hopkins and all the names you just said. Tyree Kill, uh, Galladay even. He's probably the next tier. So there's a group of about eight. That I'm happy with any of them, you know, and you can make the case for why I have Juju ahead of Allen Robinson or, Ty- or DJ Moore ahead of this guy. The fact is you should be using tiers, and I'm perfectly fine with any of these guys, even being my wide receiver one. You know, I-, I go running back heavy in a draft. I land in this range. I am perfectly happy with any of these guys leading my receiving core. Let's
1: just finish this game with you, Beer, because I, know, I heard what you just said, but you're talking about tiers, which obviously makes a lot of sense. Uh, but you said you're higher on Robinson than pretty much anybody you know. Uh, just want to keep going. Mike
0: Evans Robinson Cooper Robinson by far, Galladay Robinson, Godwin, uh, Godwin, but it, it's closer than, than most. I'm, I'm kind of getting nervous on Godwin a little bit, so sliding him down and uh, Robinson. I really haven't moved much.
1: All right, let's talk about the running backs. Uh, you mean a sort through it? Montgomery, Cohen, Cohen, more the PPR guy. Are they going about the right spot, too high, too low? Are these people you're seeking out or what?
2: Well, don't forget Cordell Patterson because they're going to line him up uh, as a running back this year as well, probably. So, you know, you've got, uh, you know, look, you're going to see mostly uh, Montgomery in there on early downs. Uh, The concern with a guy like Montgomery is like how exactly how much passing game work is he going to be able to get when you have dedicated, you know, uh, specialist backs that are working alongside of him. He's definitely a good runner. Uh, he's got the potential to be a, you know, yards after contact guy, guy who doesn't go down easily, a guy who could probably get in the box if he gets enough opportunity down in that area of the field. But I just think that he's, a, he's a relatively unsexy option for these best ball formats in the sense that you're, you're probably never going to see outcomes where he's, you know, one of the top five backs. I, I just feel like without the receiving, uh, upside, especially in full point PPR formats, you know, underdog fantasy half point PPR is a little bit more viable there but you, you know, I don't, I don't think you're going to have the upside there with David Montgomery. And that's why I don't tend to find myself going for him very often
0: here. He's one of those guys you know, say I, I go two running backs early. I come back with two receivers in rounds three and four, which we said is already loaded up. You know, if I want to grab another running back before it dries up, he's in the conversation for me. And, and I agree with a lot of what Jamino says. Uh, uh, Tariq Cohen is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield, but He did catch 25 balls last season. We're expecting this offense to be somewhat better, almost ran for a thousand yards. And a lot of people like he was garbage. Yeah. He wasn't sexy, but if a guy in a rookie season is getting me a thousand yards, six touchdowns, uh, caught one as well. That's intriguing to me as, as an RB three, if he's my RB two, I don't feel great about it, but an RB three, I think there's decent depth there. So you definitely question the upside. So in, in a huge tournament, Maybe I'm not as excited, but in a standard 12 team, you're drafting with your buddies. I think he's a perfectly fine our, our running back three.
1: Uh, Jimino, any of these 17 tight ends doing anything for you? Old man, uh, Jimmy Graham. Uh, like historically, people would say like Ted Ginn, wide receiver, is like, well, that's a good guy for basketball because he has those three or four weeks. I guess you can make that argument. Uh, you guys tell me if you're interested in him, it's kind of a flyer to some extent. Uh, again, a weak offense to be a part of, but he will have those explosive, explosive weeks on occasion. Uh, tight ends, the friends receiver. Is there anything here for you to know?
2: No, we talked about like some of these guys, some of these guys I would take as part of stacks normally, if I'm trying to make a best ball tournament roster, but we're not really that interested in the bear stack right now. We don't really know who the quarterback is for sure. Even if we did, are we really all that excited, you know, to get, sh- you know, shares of Anthony Miller in there? I mean, I do like Anthony Miller a little bit. I mean, I think he's a player who could have probably his best season as a pro yet. I think there's you know some upside for him as a player to become somebody who's viable, in fantasy, at least more, more viable than he has been. He's had some injuries to deal with to start his career, but you know, the the tight ends, Jimmy Graham, you know, Cole Komet. I mean, we're not, we're not really diving in here full steam ahead. I I think uh, the best thing I can say about them is that they'll be completely unowned. If you're trying to play in like this million dollar contest on one of these other sites. So, you know, the $500,000 best ball championship on underdog, you might be able to find some reason to like say you know, you're not, your opponents aren't going to have him weeks, 14, 15, 16, but I, I can't really endorse it.
1: Yeah, Beer, you got
0: anything here? Is there anything worth talking about as far as these guys? The tight ends I'm out on. I mean, Cole Komet's a guy I think eventually can get there, but we know rookie tight ends, it can take two, three seasons. So I, I don't see him breaking the mold and coming in and being Gronk and, and making a year one impact, especially with Graham there. I mean, if anything, these guys are going to split snaps and targets and just a mess. I do like Anthony Miller probably more than Jamino. Doesn't even need to be part of a stack. I, I think he's undervalued uh, big time right now. This is a guy that just hasn't been able to stay healthy, but when he has, he's been very productive. We saw some big games out of him. Uh, Foles loves to throw to slot receivers, so that's in his favor. He's a touchdown maker going all the way back to his days in college. So I think there's a lot of upside with Anthony Miller. And there's no other receiver besides Allen Robinson. So it's not a team where you're a Denver where you got a bunch of guys or or Dallas where you're competing with a bunch of teams. And I know they're not going to be on that level offensively as Dallas. The point is the target distribution is what's important here. And if he can stay on the field, I think Anthony Miller can easily off-produce these costs. All right, Pierre, let's open up the Saints. Two first-round
1: picks for the Saints are seeing right now as far as ADP, Kamara going at four, Michael Thomas going at seven. Is that about right for you? Do you go into the draft if you're in that area with, I want a running back, I want a receiver, or it's just like what the draft gives you and you got to be able to adjust to the fly?
0: Yeah, I have Kamara at five. I moved Alvin Cook ahead of him. So that's again, you know, you, I don't think you're going to get a huge argument out of many people, uh, four, five, six, you know, it just depends on how you feel about his rushing share. We know he's going to be involved in the passing game. How involved is he going to be on the ground? I think is important can those touchdowns come back. We saw a big dip in his touchdowns. As far as Michael Thomas, I love Michael Thomas. I just have a hard time drafting a receiver in the first round in a lot of my builds. and. Right away, you're against the eight ball trying to stack the Saints because you're not going to get both of these guys. So you, you have to make that decision really early on in draft. You almost have to go into the draft saying, I'm going to stack the Saints and then decide which piece is it going to be. And if it's a mid-round pick, you're probably better off going with Thomas there. But most of my drafts, Dean, I'm looking for running backs early. It makes it very hard to pull the trigger on Michael Thomas, especially with the depth of the receiver position in that round 3-4 range. Uh, you're just really behind the eight ball if you go wide receiver early and then try to make up for it at running back.
1: You know, this is the hot take show. I'm guessing, though, what kind of hot takes are you going to have? Like, Kamara is about right, four or five. Thomas is about right at seven or eight. Do you also, uh, you know, thoughts on that? If you feel free to expand on it, but I think that's probably what it should be. You know, that's just that's your spot. That's who's left. That's who you got to take. Uh, and as far as, like, I want to pick a running back or receiver in the first round, and that's that. Is that something that you go into with that plan and like you just don't want to hedge? Or how does that work?
2: Look, I want to, say, I'm going to preface this by I know how this is going to sound, but I think Michael Thomas is a terrible fantasy pick in this particular season because of the way that roster construction works. I don't think he's going to be terrible as a, as a producer. I think he's going to be fantastic again. But when when you look at the kind of running back situations that are out there with more and more you know, ambiguous slash split-duty situations that are on the marketplace right now, you find yourself building rosters where you're going to, you'd be hit and miss week to week with your round four five, six, seven running backs. It's, it feels like a, like a, you know, sort of a vacuum of great options. You know, if you, unless you think Ronald Jones is going to like just completely surpass all expectations by a lot this season, unless you're really feeling like, you know, for whatever reason, Devin Singletary is going to suddenly get, the majority of the role. These are the kind of guys that we're looking at in those mid rounds and the kind of guys you're probably going to be looking at if you take a guy like Michael Thomas in the first round. And I just prefer to have, you know, some of those fantastic wide receiver options that we're seeing in that exact range, same range, firing at my best ball lineups throughout the weeks. So I'm, yeah, I think it's a pretty hot take to say that I probably won't have much Michael Thomas at all. And I'm, you know, it's not because I don't think he's a good player just because I think the roster construction uh, kind of becomes difficult if you go wide receiver there.
1: You like the depth at receiver when you like the depth of running back, and that's that. Yeah, that's a lot shorter way to say it. Dean, that's a simplifying like way of saying it. I like yeah. to say a lot of words. <laughs> Let's see how much you hate Michael Thomas. And again, I understand exactly what you're saying. How much you think he's amazing, but opportunity costs, yada, yada, yada. Would you rather? You can only pick one of these two guys, Joe Mixon or Michael Thomas.
2: I've taken Joe Mixon just about every time so far. Yes, sir. Okay. Canyon uh, Drake? I will usually take Drake here.
0: Same. And, okay. I, Michael, I, and, and it, you're, you're, I would love to say I hate Michael Thomas, but I agree with Jamino. It's it's more of a, a build type scenario. And, you know, we've talked about the, the Terry McLaurins, the DJ Charks, the DK Metcalfs, the Calvin Ridleys. And that's that, that group of receivers. That's that second wave of receivers that you're going to miss out on when you go Thomas. Then you're struggling at, at running back. And then you end up with David Montgomery, as your RB one or two. And I, I just don't see that as being a very productive or, or, or a build that's going to make you a lot of money in some of these tournaments. So uh, I have Thomas ranked higher, but I would gladly go Drake over Thomas there. I, I, I'm with Jamino. I just don't see taking Michael Thomas in the first round being the optimal build unless you are dead set on either a stack or I'm just gonna go zero RB, load up on receiver early to be different, and take my shot at five, six, seven running backs later in the draft. Outside of those scenarios, I don't think it makes any sense to go Michael Thomas. Well, Do you find yourself grabbing Breeze? Looks like he's about the uh what I'm seeing, uh one eighteen overall
1: as far as the ADP. Is that about right for you?
0: Yeah, it sounds about right. I have him at QB ten, you know, kinda of that Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan kind of group. So I tend to look for guys with, with a little more upside with their legs. So, I mean, yeah. uh, like a Carson Wentz to me, a much better option than Breeze. or I'll wait uh, and kind of grab guys a little bit later. So, Breeze is another guy. He falls far enough. I'm interested, but he's not a target, not a guy I'm circling uh, on my cheat sheets.
1: Yeah, I know you guys liked on a previous show, Roethlisberger, you can get up a couple rounds later, I would imagine, right? Is that something you oh, yeah. uh, prefer? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. You, Your thoughts all right.
2: to me now? I have Drew Brees on my avoid list for the season. I, I have him way down there QB 16. Uh, I think the the situation with that we're going to see in New Orleans this year, I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to be with playing with the lead. I think that they're going to be at the end of games, not necessarily relying on Drew Brees to, you know, re-racking up 300-plus yard games and big, you know, massive output games. I think they've got a lot of different diverse ways to move the football. They've got Taysom Hill in there. You know, he's an aging player. Sure. I'm not saying what we're seeing by any means, you know, a, a Drew Brees who can't play football anymore. But the deep shot is no longer as big part of his game. He they throw a lot of short routes. You know, if you know a lot of the rushing touchdowns we talked about, Kamara not getting. If let's say if he gets them, or if it's Latavius Murray or Taysom who I mentioned, I, I just I, I think that Drew Brees has. I mean, I mean, I guess I I don't see that there's a big ceiling for him. I just think I can do better with other quarterbacks.
1: Is Hill the quarterback for a, in New Orleans in a couple of years? Is that the plan, know
2: Well, they got uh, Mr. Finger Eater, Jameis Winston, in, in there now, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well, they only signed him to a one-year deal, right, I think? I'm pretty sure. Winston, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah that was a
0: one-year deal. I, I'm pretty sure their ideal hope was we're going to try to groom Taysom. Um, somebody goes down, somebody's going to be calling. That's the first call somebody's going to make as to New Orleans for Jameis Winston, so – to me, that, that, that's the way to lay it out, but you never know. I mean, it, with, with a year of solid coaching, get rid of some of the turnover issues that he's had, and maybe he is the guy there, and they keep Taysom in the role that he's currently in, which is productive for a guy like him that when, when, when they picked him up, I don't think they expected anything out of him to get this level of production they've gotten out of him. I think you've almost uh, squeezed everything out of that stone, in my opinion.
1: Uh, Beer, peripheral players, uh Jared Cook, Manny Sanders, Traquan
0: Smith. Uh, who's uh, amongst that group, the one you're most interested in? Not really interested in any of them, to be honest, <laughs> Dean. Uh, I think Jared Cook's getting overdrafted right now. There's a lot of tight ends I'd rather have there. Uh Manuel Sanders out of that group would, would be the guy. I think Traquan, you can toss it aside now. It just, it hasn't worked. And maybe he sees some kind of revelation here and we get anything out of him, but Sanders is intriguing. But like Jamino said, it's it's not the saints from years ago that are throwing the ball 50 times and it's 400, 500 passing yards to go around. He'll see nice coverages because of Thomas because of Camara because of cook. But outside of that, I think it's a dart throw. The other name I like Latavius Murray. You know, I, I think he's going to be pretty involved in this offense more than people realize. And, you know, it, to me, it's not just a handcuff situation. This is one of those Latavius Murray, Kareem Hunt. These guys will have standalone value. And if something were to happen to the guy in front of them, boom, now you're sitting on a league winner. So those are two guys that, that I've made uh, a lot of picks on in these drafts. When you get to the, kind of that middle range, round seven, round eight, round nine, Hunt's going a lot earlier now, but Latavius is still sitting there. I think he's one of the better value options in that range of drafts.
1: Latavius Murray and Traquan Smith both the pride at a UCF the national champions how national about that chance,
0: right? right they're winning it again this year right Dean sure all right I mean, it just <laughs> I, put up put up the banner my ring is on layaway as you speak uh Jamino your thoughts
2: look I want to talk about Emmanuel Sanders for a second I mean this guy he played every game last year Dean how many games did he play?
1: Wait, he played every game? Is that a trick question? It is a trick
2: question. How many games did he play? Uh, I I mean, I I assume –
1: oh, that's right. He played an extra game. He He played
2: 17. He played 17 games. He still didn't (laughs) get 1,000 yards. Like, uh, you know, this guy's not what he once was. I'll put it to you that way. I think this offense suits him pretty well. But I just don't – I don't see this being like a game-changing wide receiver pick for you in those mid-rounds. could be wrong. You know, this could be the exact kind of situation where Brees just, you know, finds a liking to him and he becomes a guy who – you know, outproduces expectations. I'm not banking on that. So I don't want to find myself with a lot of Emmanuel Sanders on the back end of his career. Uh, Lester green himself, Jared cook. uh, I, you know, I think that he is, he was getting overdrafted and now he's starting to fall down the boards from what I'm seeing. Like I, I would probably be more okay with him than with your, your Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith actually for, you know, his diminished role in the offense. If you don't think, Emmanuel Sanders is anything particularly special. He's going to be on the field a lot, and you're going to t- be able to take him with one of your last picks. I think you can do worse.
1: Jared Cook, bad as he wants to be. Uh, all right, Jimino, give me the player on the Saints you're most likely to end up on your on your lineup, and then what you're least likely to have.
2: It's Kamara for me, most likely. I think that uh, at the top of the draft, I'm, I'm just fine taking him, hoping that he gets more receptions and or touchdowns in his bag in 2020. And the least likely is Drew Brees.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought your guys going to say Thomas, but your, your thoughts, your your answer, same question.
0: Uh most likely he already covered Camara. I'll say Latavius Murray. I, I really like the value on him later in drafts. Least likely uh, is definitely Michael Thomas. Uh, love the player. I don't think he can replicate last season, and it just doesn't fit uh, the builds that I've been going with so far this preseason.
1: All right, two teams down, two teams to go. Pittsburgh and Indianapolis on layaway.
0: Little intermission here.
1: I got to, this guy or that guy questions uh beer we'll start with you ceh versus miles sanders and uh we are recording this i just saw a note that apparently one of the beats said he's weak to week for whatever that's worth i don't know just uh i t- keep that in mind maybe he's not in the best shape of his life i don't know
0: so i have clyde edwards lair here uh, regardless of the injury i have him uh rb8 right now miles sanders rb10 so even without the injury concern i'll go clyde edwards Hilaire. Uh, You have to keep an eye on this Miles Sanders situation though. Week to week, we're we're weeks away from the season. So, you know, day to day would be like, okay, I can brush it off. Week to week is somewhat concerning with the lack of reps these guys have already had. And he's not new to this offense. Not like he's a rookie coming in and needs an entire training camp, but still something that that I'm going to monitor. And I don't see a huge movement down my rankings for Miles Sanders, but uh, if things get iffy, certainly a move that I'm willing to make. But we know the upside is there. You know He's going to be the guy in this backfield. They're not going to split carries with him and, and Boston Scott and Corey Clement suddenly looks good in training camp. and He's going to be the guy, so we can get rid of those concerns. Sure. Miles Sanders will be as close to a workhorse as you can get in the second group of running backs. But the possibilities for Clyde Edwards-Solaire with no Damian Williams, DeAndre Washington is your competition who is intriguing later in drafts, no doubt. But Darwin Thompson, Darrell Williams, I mean, this is a running back room, pretty void of talent. And they spent a high pick on this guy. Patrick Mahomes wants this guy. Andy Reid knows how to use guys like this. He will be heavily featured in the best offense in the league. So to me, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's close, but uh, uh, give me Clyde, no doubt beer every domino falls both these guys
1: ways uh give me the upside like ceh can be a top what and then sanders can be a top what as far as running backs
0: i mean if they utilize clyde in this kansas city offense the way they should he, he's right up there with, with with McCaffrey, barkley guys like that I, I that's to me the ceiling is that high maybe not McCaffrey level but certainly in the next group of barkley zeke guys like that and i think sanders has a similar upside you know the offense won't be as good as as Kansas city, but I think Philly can be a very productive offense, which would put him as a borderline top five running back. So the ceilings are massive for both of these guys. They're both going to be heavily involved uh, in the passing game on good offenses. Sky's the limit for both of them. If this injury is nothing serious, of course, D'Amino agree or disagree
2: better strength of schedule based on Vegas win totals, better quarterback. One of these guys is going to throw 50 touchdowns this year. One of them is not, one of these guys is going to throw for 5,000 yards. One of them is only going to throw for 4,500. Give me Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here. I think that the uh, workload in favor of Sanders, but the overall you know median of great performances probably belongs to CEH.
1: All right, Jimino. I know we always talk about it. You guys always talk about weight on quarterback a lot of times. Of course, there's plenty of upside. You guys mentioned having quarterbacks at legs. Here's two of them. Uh, LJx and Mahomes. who give a preference amongst the two.
2: Yeah, it's Mahomes. I just said. I think. I think the guy's gonna throw it for like five thousand yards and fifty. T- I mean, probably. I mean, fifty's aggressive, but you know, there's there's definitely going to be a big, big season coming for Patrick here. I don't think last year was anything close to what he's capable of. I mean, I guess it was close, but I mean, you know, we saw what he can really do. Like, I think that he's just one of these Marino, Peyton Manning, massive, massive numbers every single season type of guys, and I think that's what we're gonna see again this year.
0: Beer. It's Mahomes for me as well. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're one, two in my rankings. I, I think they're one, two in, in everyone's rankings in some order. And, you know, I love the running quarterback as much as the next guy. But when Patrick Mahomes is going to put numbers that, that are literally going to be off the charts and, you know, I don't scoff. When Jamino says 50 touchdowns, I, you know, it, it's like, yeah, that, that can happen. We've already seen that. It's not that it's a, an unattainable number here. I just think that the sky's the limit for both of these guys. But uh, give me the guy that's going to put the numbers up through the air, in the better offense. Uh, There's going to be a ton of shootouts with this Kansas City team, and he can give you a little bit with his legs. It's not like he gives you nothing with his legs as well. So uh, as much as I love Lamar Jackson, it's Mahomes one for me, Lamar Jackson two. It's interesting,
1: the ADP stuff I have, it's really, really close. But when I'm looking at Mahomes at 27 and Jackson at 24, but it's interesting you guys both uh, – and also, are you guys actually drafting them? Because, again, draft strategy is a thing. Are are you finding yourself uh, getting either one of these quarterbacks in your team? Be are you
0: first? uh it, I don't mind if they fall far enough. I'm not a second round quarterback guy, but you know if they're there at the two three turn, the third round even, and I can say to myself, okay, you know maybe I started with a Kelsey or Tyree Hill, then it's starting to go off in my head that Mahomes is still there. Let me build this stack, and and it's mostly. Stack focus with Mahomes. Lamar, I worry less about it because there's not a lot of guys. Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, that you can really stack him with uh, outside of some of the running backs. So uh, I'm generally not a quarterback early guy, but if they fall far enough, i nail that position. I don't have to worry about it now till the very end of my draft. So I don't rule it out, but they really have to fall. And and to me, it's usually – mid to late third. And sometimes they will fall that far. A lot of drafts, they go early, but if the value's there, don't be afraid to scoop it up, adjust your plan on the fly. And then just, just hammer home at running back and receiver moving forward, or get some of those stacking partners to go along with them.
1: Uh, Jamito, earlier today, a buddy of mine called me up and he said, Hey, I got a keeper league. Uh, help me out. And who, who keeper league? Come on. What year are we in? <laughs> this is best ball. I, I'm like, I don't know. I go, I five, gonna... baby. They have similar salaries. I figured it would work for this conversation for best ball. Uh, he's like, hey, uh, I, you like Galladay or you like Beckham? And I'm like, hey, I'm going to be on a show later today. A couple really smart guys. I'll ask them. Don't take my opinion. I'll ask them. They know better than me. So help my buddy out, to me, you know uh, Is he keeping Galladay or is he keeping Beckham?
2: I think you're going to keep Beckham this year. I really think that the Browns have done enough on their offensive line to give Baker the time to play better in his third year. I think that – you know, we, we, we came into last year with a lot of expectations for this team, from, you know, because partly because of Beckham. And Beckham was probably one of the biggest victims of inaccurate throws of anyone in the league. You look at his on-target percentage, it just wasn't very good from Baker. And I think that we could see an improvement on that this season. I think that the, you know, the, the kind of opponents that you're going to see Beckham going against for the majority of the season, you know, we're going to be talking about him playing against the Bengals you know, he's, you know they're gonna, there's going to be some soft games that that are going to be coming into play here for Beckham where I think we could see some really big weeks. So for, especially for best ball, uh, it's Beckham for me. And it, it's not that I don't like Galladay because I do like the Lions and I do like uh, what that offense can do. I just think that as an individual upside player, I, I think Beckham's probably got the slight edge on Galladay just for the season.
0: Beer? That's Beckham for me as well. Uh, I have Beckham wide receiver 10, Galladay wide receiver 13. So that's why we're doing this. You're going to have a lot of a t- lot of spots in your draft where you're you're debating guys are, that are very close. But I echo a lot of what Jamino said. You know, Beckham I expect to really bounce back. You know, he was dealing with an injury last season. It's not an excuse, but the explosion just wasn't there that we're used to seeing with Odell Beckham. And you look at Kenny Galladay, and I put his numbers side by side with Marvin Jones, Dean, and. There's not a huge discrepancy here. We, we talked about this when we talked about this team. I mean, Galladay beat him by, by three receptions. He had him on the yards and touchdowns, but Marvin Jones had nine touchdowns to Galladay's 11. Galladay was carried by that 18 yards of catch. I don't think that's repeatable here. I think Marvin Jones is just a better value. So, keeper league between the two, it's Beckham. But in these drafts, I'll pass on Galladay all day in the third Wait till the seventh and grab Marvin Jones and be perfectly happy with it. All right, last one:
1: three tight ends that are being drafted. Similarly, uh, Gronk, Smash, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, all the H's. Jamino sort through these guys for us.
2: Well, considering I won't have any teams with Gronk or Hunter Henry, then it's <laughs> definitely going to be Hayden Hurst. Oh boy, uh, there's, you know, maybe that maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. But, you know, Gronk plays on a team with multiple tight ends and multiple pass-catching options and a quarterback who is perfectly willing to distribute the football. Last we saw of Gronk, even after he was on getting skinny-armed and singing on the mass Singer, you know, he was out there not exactly <laughs> having the season of his life, you know, and he, he was playing in an offense that was also spreading the ball around and really doing, uh, you know, Tom Brady-esque things out there. So I'm not really expecting a huge season from Gronk. I don't really think that we're going to – ever see like the old Gronk come back the way that we once saw? and I think that's kind of what you're hoping for if you're taking him at his cost and Hunter Henry I, I just I just don't want to buy into the Chargers so ultimately give me Hayden Hurst uh, replacing a bunch of lost targets there in Atlanta with a great quarterback in a team that's going to be absolutely awful on defense and have to throw it
1: and a done as well you gotta love that beer it sounds like you
0: agree let me just throw another name in the conversation uh, Higby does that make it interesting for you Nope. I, Dean, I moved Hayden Hurst up to tight end six. Uh, that That's how high I am on him. And I will take him over all of these guys. I will take him over Evan Ingram, Higby. Uh, I'm very high in Hayden Hurst here, fitting into this offense. Uh, Jamino talked about it, that the missing tight, tight end targets are there. The offense should be good. The defense is going to be terrible. I just think he's a perfect fit for that role. In fact, I think he can be better than what Austin Hooper gave them last season. So, yes, he has guys to, to – fight with targets about with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. There's going to be plenty of targets to go around in this offense. Gronk, you're really counting on tight ends or touchdowns with, with with this tight end spot there and tight ends. Sometimes that's what you're banking on when you get later on. I don't really want to count on those. I like Gronk. I would rather go with the guy with Hearst. That's going to get volume and tight end and touchdown upside. And Henry, I'm just that whole offense. we've talked about it. Nothing has really changed for me. I like Eckler pretty much out on the rest of the chargers offense.
1: All right. uh, Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers Uh, in a vacuum. And I understand lineup construction and all that beer, but who would you prefer? James Connor, Juju Smith-Schuster. They're both being picked.
0: looks like we're seeing around 27 to 30 ADP as far as those two. I'm really warming up to James Conner. You know, it it took me a while to get there. I have been on high on Juju this entire summer and that, that really hasn't changed. Uh, Connor's the guy that uh, it took a while, but I continue to move him up my ranking. So, I will say Juju there, but uh, the upside for Connor is huge. And we know health is a concern, but we can say that with almost every guy in the league. So at some point, you got to take some risks. And Connor's a guy that I'm willing to take that risk on. In fact, this is an offense I, I want to be very heavy on uh, in these drafts. It's pretty easy to stack them. Even if you miss out on one of Juju or Connor, you can still grab Ben late. I know Deontay Johnson is continuing to climb up the rankings, but I still think there's value on him. A guy that was fantastic in his rookie season with terrible quarterback play. I mean, Dean, you were throwing the ball last season. This guy still put (laughs) up numbers and, and charts out well against man, against zone. I mean, he, he played very well last season. So I like him, James Washington, another deep threat you can tack on. Uh, There's Ebron that you can throw on at the end as a tight end addition to your stack. So just a ton of different ways that you can go with this team. So very, very bullish here on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this offense is going to be a lot better than people realize. I know that defense is really good, but uh, Connor could be a guy. That you grab in the second, third round, and you're getting first-round value from him. If he can stay on the field, he has that level of upside. We've already seen it. Uh, I, I love this offense this season. It goes without
1: saying, Bear, that you, uh, this is one of your favorite teams to stack.
0: Yes, for sure. Uh, and it, again, you know, some teams, it, it costs you a lot to try to stack them. The Chiefs, you got all those guys jammed at the top. The Saints, this team, it's it spread out a little more. You could even pull off a Connor in the second, Juju in the third, grab Ben late and, and really capture the entire offense if you want. So I look for ease of, of stackability. They certainly provide you that in these drafts.
1: Jumito, are, are you on board with all these thoughts?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Heath Miller once upon a time was a viable <laughs> fantasy tight end every now and then, you know, in Ben's offense. And now you give him a weapon like Ebron. Uh, y- we've seen the training camp reports. We've seen the velocities back for Ben. So if if this, if this guy can still sling it uh, like, he's, like we've known him to in the past, the guy like Ebron could do a lot of damage for them in the passing game. Uh, we know that they're going to be good on defense, which I you know, again, I don't know if that means we're, that's good for Connor because we'll see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of running it down people's throat late in games, or if it's, you know, just in general good for the offense as a whole because we'll have a lot of time of possession. But whatever the case may be, I do expect that this team will be, uh, like Pierre said, better than people think, and I do like the offense pretty much the in, in its entirety. And Ben Roethlisberger has a lot to do with it. I just have a lot of faith in him, even even though he's had some pretty terrible injuries over his career, he always seems to bounce back.
1: Sounds like both of you guys are on board with Ebron as a late round flyer. I just want to throw some tight ends your way. Stop me again. Stop me when you, you'll take that person over Ebron. Uh, Jack Doyle, uh, Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon, Blake Jarwin. Could, oh. I
2: think we could we could fight about Herndon, right? Like Her, I think Herndon's a, a guy that's emerging uh, in 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 New York. You know, we got Denzel Mims, the rookie. He's going to be out, so all this you know suddenly we're down to Bershad Perriman and Jamison Crowder as his potential competition for targets and we we know that they like him out there we know that they think he can do some things and and I and I believe it he's got the rapport with Sam Darnold
1: uh I think it's pretty close there and, and actually I think that Herndon might have more upside what about get them both just get get those two guys your tight ends sure <laughs> uh Barry I guess you're on board
0: with uh Ebron over all those guys and Herndon I don't think you stopped me I was going kind of fast uh, I mean, you, you literally went 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 in my rankings, Dean. So it's almost <laughs> like you had them in front of you. But I uh, I, I prefer Jack Doyle slightly uh, here. I, I just think he's going to be a big part of that offense. Uh, we know we're going to talk about Indy here in a minute, so I'll save that. Uh, Jarwin's a guy I continue to move up. I mean, he's down in the pecking order, but uh, what an offense to be in here. You know, and a guy running the middle of the field, I think he's going to have some big opportunities as well. Ebron I wonder what it's going to look like is Vance McDonald going to be involved is he only going to be a red zone weapon are they just going to unleash him fully so I still have some concerns with him but he's right in this group with all these guys so Doyle Jarwin ahead of him uh, Ian Thomas and Chris Herndon slightly behind him so kind of a a little mini tier there but not a bad spot to land uh, as your tight end too in some of these leagues uh, with all these names right here
1: all right, uh, ADP I'm seeing here uh, looks like 142 for Roethlisberger. Beer, you want this guy. How, how much are you willing to take him in the 12th, the 13th? But Where do you reach to get him?
0: Uh, I mean, if I build the stack and I have it going, I'm, I'm going to go and get, make sure I get him. You know, I, I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is, you know, you, you start the stack, you have the idea in your head, and you continue to wait and risk it. I don't want to risk it when you get to that point in the draft because who are you getting instead of him that it was worth risking it. So if I have to jump around to make sure I finish the stack, I'm going to do that. So just, just don't make that mistake. I see that happen uh, in a lot of drafts. If you're building the stack, be aggressive, go get your guy, pass on Denzel Mims at that point and go get the quarterback you need to build your stack.
1: Let me ask this as a strategy question: Do you watch and see other people in that are drafting and saying, "Oh, they're making a stack," Well, they're making this stack, and you can kind of see like who they're going to pick next, and maybe you consider blocking them, or maybe you
0: say, "Well, they're going to take that guy, so I know this guy is going to be available for me." Is it, or am I just overthinking it? If it's competing with something I'm doing, you know, they're, they're trying to stack the same team, or you know, there, there's certain ways, but. For the most part, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on what everyone else is doing, but it doesn't overly affect what I'm doing. You know, I have a plan going in. My plans are always going to get adjusted. You know, you adapt to the draft, uh, something that I, I just continue to hammer home here. Don't be so, I have to do this in this round. That's never going to work. So for the most part, I'm keeping an eye on it. I, I want to know what teams have a quarterback, what teams don't. That's more of the line of thinking that, you know, okay, th- th- these guys all have quarterbacks. Maybe it's not, I don't have to rush into it, or these teams have two, three quarterbacks. So looking at it, yes, not worried about this guy stacking this, and I'm, I'm going to steal this guy away from him. Uh, I, that, not much of that going on in my head when I'm drafting.
1: Uh, same question, Jamino, as far as uh, w- at what point do you grab Ben? You want Ben, uh, you know, you could take him earlier than ADP, but you ha- you do just to make sure you have him, and then – Just finish up the team. I Give a thought on Deontay Johnson. I feel like we didn't touch on him, Uh, you know, worth mentioning for sure. He's around uh, 78 to 80 as far as ADP on Underdog Fantasy. But uh, clean up the the Steelers for us.
2: Look, the bottom line is Roethlisberger is a guy that you're going to take. You're going to have most of the pieces of that stack uh, earlier in the draft. Like you're going to have Connor or Juju somewhere at the beginning portion of that draft. And then if you had to take Deontay Johnson in the mid rounds, who I think – is a reasonable option, not someone that I'm going out of my way to make sure that I get on my teams this year, but someone that if, if he was the best available option, I'm fine going in and drafting him there. But usually if I'm taking him, I do then probably want to come back with Ebron and Roethlisberger and hopefully I'm on the turn, right, where it makes it easy to to finish a stack up if I'm on one of the, one of the two turns and both those guys are available. But, yeah, I'm waiting till round 11, 12. I'm, I'm not going out – of you know, I can – I can make other stacks. I don't definitely I don't have to have the Steelers, but if I can make it naturally, I'm looking
1: to do it. All right, last team, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Beer, you wanted to talk about Jack Doyle. Uh, they just, they're not as sexy as Pittsburgh as far as I can tell. You know, Davin Taylor there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does with Mac as well. T Y Hilton, it's all about health for him. You love him the dome at home with all that speed. Getting a little up there as far as age. But uh, the Colts, where do you want to go first here, Beer?
0: I'm going to defer to Jamino. He, he wanted to hit on the Colts. I want to give him the floor here and I'll, I'll come up and clean up with my thoughts at the end.
2: Look, Dean, I had a, a sort of an epiphany this week as I was doing a lot of drafts. I was, I was getting into the mid rounds of, of these various drafts that I'm involved in for best ball and these big tournaments specifically in these big tournaments. And I'm noticing, you know, a guy like T Y Hilton is falling every single draft. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor is the only guy that costs anything In any of these drafts and it's sort of you know you you don't really know exactly who the RB1 is I mean for all we know it's still Marlon Mack who's going to end up with a slight majority of touches in the offense albeit Taylor probably has the more valuable role role with pass catching but as I look at the upside for a guy like Marlon Mack and I look at the upside for T.Y. Hilton and look at how cheap every single piece in this offense is outside of those couple of guys I mean you're talking about drafting Doyle in the double digit rounds you're talking about drafting a guy like Michael Pittman who's jumping off the page in camp. You're talking about Paris Campbell being absolutely, you know, last round type material or like very, very, very late round material. And Philip Rivers, of course, everyone's written him off. And I think yeah. that that's the main reason that all these guys are, are sort of fallen down the board. Meanwhile, they have an improving defense and one of the best offensive lines in the league. And I start to say, where can I exploit the marketplace and say that if I want to build a stack, in way more teams than is my fair share that I can get these guys a lot, very often still has the big upside to help me win uh, both in the regular season. And when you look at the strength of schedule in the playoffs, you look at the the Colts have one of the easiest schedules by far in the entire league. And that in the playoffs, they're going to get like, I, let me pull this up. Dean. I think I'm pretty sure they get Houston twice in the playoffs. It's <laughs> just like, you know, it's, it's a, dumb, a very, probably. very, very favorable schedule that we're talking about here for yeah, yeah, we're talking about in week 13, the Colts uh, for Houston, and then week 15. So you're, you're really, really talking about a very, very high upside situation that doesn't have a lot of costs associated with it. And I think that I've very recently got, come accustomed to the idea that I should probably be making more colt stacks and really trying to exploit the, the, the big gap between where they could go and where they're being priced.
1: Beer, I want you to retort in just a second, but you mean, I'm curious, when you say stack, people interpret that in different ways. Uh, define a stack is it like a quarterback receiver is that a stack you need two pieces as far as two receivers a running back receiver and a quarterback what would you call a stack two
2: maybe three outside the quarterback so like what I'm looking for is like when it becomes the playoff weeks right when you're talking about you have to win your week every single week once you get to the playoffs that's it you have to be reaching the pinnacle so I want to have a lot of correlation in my lineup just in case those teams that I have those stacks of have big weeks so that I can get multiple touchdowns tied to my fantasy football team. So that's where when you talk about having Rivers plus Hilton plus Doyle, you know, and, and, I'm, and I've got that against the, the Texans who stink on defense, you know, then, then I'm starting to get excited. And that's what, you know, you don't really want to try to get too far ahead of yourself trying to guess which defenses are going to be good and bad for the season. We get surprised every single year in that regard. But when you look at the odds of how of Houston having a good defense, it's not very good. And I look at the odds of of Indianapolis having a serviceable to potentially pretty good offense, I think it's actually pretty good, a lot better than they're being priced. So that's where I'm saying this particular stack, having multiple correlated pieces, could work out for you well in best
1: balls. Beer, retort?
0: Uh, I like this team in certain spots. I, I go back to Phillip Rivers uh, being a concern uh, to me. I mean, last season did not look great, and – uh, this is a team built on, on offensive line, running the ball. So Jonathan Taylor, I, I think a lot of people think he's being overdrafted. I think there's big time upside there with him and even where Marlon Mack goes. So I, I'm more apt to take the running backs. I don't know that I want them both, but uh, at certain points in the draft, Jonathan Taylor, the upside alone is, is worth hitting that button. And Mack, if he's going to be involved, then you're getting him In say the ninth, tenth round, nobody really wants to draft him. I think there's value in that as well. And then the tight ends are are intriguing as well. Doyle, I mentioned, you know, we we know they're going to utilize two tight end sets. We know Rivers loves to throw to the tight end. We know Frank Reich likes to utilize the tight end in his offense. So if Doyle can stay in the field, he could be one of the top target guys on this team. I mean, Ty Hilton, if he's out there, is the guy. I think Pittman may take some time, but he's going to be involved. Paris Campbell is intriguing. So there's a lot of guys that, that I'm intrigued by. I just worry about Rivers tying that stack together and feeling good about that. But at cost, it's basically free. I, I hate the term free, but uh, that's what it is. You know, it's very, very discounted. And that's the kind of team that if I can stack them cheap later in drafts, or I can have multiple stacks of teams. You know, I think that's one thing people don't really factor into these best these ball championships is, If I can build two or three different stacks, I'm all about it. And and this is a team you could do whatever you're doing early with with Kansas City or Pittsburgh or or New Orleans and build this team later on in your draft and have a few stacks going on. I think it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I don't like the term free either because there's a value to that roster spot, obviously. You only have so many roster spots. They're not free. But, yeah, I I understand what people are saying when they say that. Uh, Beer, when you consider where you have to get these guys, we're seeing ADP right now in Underdog Fantasy – Uh, Taylor around 36, Hilton around 56, Mack at 86, uh, Rivers at 182, the receiver, you know, uh, Pittman at 150, Campbell in the 150s as well. You said Doyle you like 162. Is he your favorite when you consider where you have to draft him?
0: I like taking a shot on Jonathan Taylor, you know, and that may be a hot take. I'm hearing a lot of he's being overdrafted, avoid him, but I want to swing for the fences in these drafts, Dean. And if I miss, okay, you know, maybe it is a 50-50 committee all season, but they traded up for this guy. They have invested heavily in their offensive line. They clearly don't believe in Marlon Mack. I mean, he doesn't have the AJ Dillon quads, but uh, this guy's a, a, an athletic freak. So, if I'm going to swing for the fences on anybody here with the Colts, I'm going to go early and I'm going to do it with Jonathan Taylor. From overdrafting him, I don't care because I think the sky's the limit here. And a guy that can outproduce that, even with people seeing him overvalued. So, T.Y. Hilton I worry about a little bit. I like the value on Doyle. I don't even mind Trey Burton as a last-round tight end play uh, in this offense. And, again, Paris Campbell's intriguing to me. I just don't know how much passing volume there's going to be for all these guys to get there. So it all circles back to this offensive line, this athlete that I know can run the football with the best of them, Jonathan Taylor, the guy that I really want to swing for the fences with. Uh,
1: same question, Jamino, and yeah, if you're building a stack like the way
0: I'm seeing this, you can get a Colt stack,
1: you know, like from picks 14 on. <laughs> like you can get, you can build yourself a Colt stack if that's what you want. Uh, what, what's your thoughts here?
2: Yeah, I mean that's my point pretty much is that I don't need the Colts to win my regular season portion of the best ball league. Mm-hmm. If I'm taking them, I'm really wanting them to finish with that sort of softest schedule uh, towards the end of the season. That, that's really where I'm looking for them to come through for me. And and it's not coming at cost. So I can make the rest of my roster strong with more expensive picks uh, and guys, you know, even, even like T.Y. Hilton, who's not being, you know, he's not being drafted where he once was. And I think that you have still have a lot of upside there with him, especially if Rivers isn't as washed as guys are, are making him out to be, you know, I know beer's not too high on him. I, I don't blame him one bit for not having the confidence that we once had in Phillip Rivers, but I just see that there are, you know There are lights at the end of the tunnel for him to have big enough games in those weeks where he could pay off You know, paying that very, very, very cheap late-round tag.
1: I, I'm sure it's not true, and I'm sure he plays a lot more than I think in my head. But T.Y. Hilton is like, it's an evergreen tweet that he's questionable this week. Like He almost always does play, I think, and you probably know that more, more so than I do. But he always feels like a little bit dinged, a little bit beat up, like most vulnerable to leave the game with an injury, you know, but whatever. All right, uh, like you said, you're getting around an uh, underdog fantasy around 59 as far as the ADP. So it's definitely tumbled a bit. and It's kind of baked into uh, the cost. Uh, your final thought on the Colts, and then we got to finish strong. This is the best ball hot take show, Domino. Uh, give me a hot take on anything we've talked about. As
2: far as you know, it, we, we talked about drafting guys like Michael Thomas. As, as you know, they're, they're, they had huge stats last season. They were really guys that are really gained the adoration of the public because of how often they were winning their daily fantasy contests with him. But this is not daily fantasy. We're talking about you know constructing a roster for the balance of the season. And I think the hot take of hot takes this year is that Michael Choms, Thomas rosters have no chance to win <laughs> these best ball tournaments, and that you will not see those particular teams winning the last round of the of the big tournaments. You won't see Michael
1: Thomas in those rosters. Yeah, and it's not his fault. Like, it's not his fault. No, he's going to have a big year. Yeah. Like, just to be clear, it's like, you know. yeah, it's, it's a weird way of saying it. I know exactly what you're saying, but people might misinterpreted that. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, if you're interested in best ball, uh, check out Underdog Fantasy. You can get involved for as little as $3. There's tournaments up to $100 as well as far as buy-in. Again, we've talked about earlier in the show, the signature best ball mania tournament, 25000000 million. $25 million, that'd be a lot. $25, $1 million as far as the total prize pool, 200 k up top. Uh, if you only want to buy in for five dollars, there's an honor tournament for you five dollars to buy in. Get yourself 20k at top uh, as far as a hundred K total prize pool. Check it out, underdogfantasy.com. The app is also available in iOS and Android. Beer, see his
0: hot take and raise him. Dean, I'm gonna rapid fire a bunch of hot takes here. So are, are you ready for all this? Fire away. Hayden Hurst, top five tight end, Anthony Miller, top twenty wide receiver. Jonathan Taylor, top 10 running back at the end of the year, and the Pittsburgh Steelers stack will win somebody a whole hell of a lot of money this season, Dean. Those are the hot takes for me. Jamino, you, you know, Mortal Kombat, like
1: when they finish them, beer just finished you, Jamino. I know your, your take was good, but like, you know, he, he gave you three or four or five, and they just rapid fire. And you're I appreciate the effort, but we're giving this round, we're going to give this round to beer. Thanks for playing, though, Jamino.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll accept my, you know, inflamed body from the scorpion <laughs> mass right there. You know, I, I, you can't win
1: them all. You win the home version of this game and, and some steak knives. Thank you for playing. Uh, again, this was the Best Ball Hot Take Show presented by Underdog Fantasy. That was Jamino. That was beer. This was football. I was Dean. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Holler.